Now, uh, today we are concluding our message series, Armor. And uh, how many of you, by a raise of hands, have enjoyed this series? Yeah, 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 a lot of you. And also, if you've been enjoying it online, just type in the comments. Uh, also, give us your favorite like emoji, all right? That would be cool as well. Now, some of you have spotted this sword and wondering, why does he have a sword on the stage up here? And so uh, Trent, our lead pastor during this series, has just been really enjoying it, uh, especially that intro. I mean, that just like gets his heart pounding and everything. And so for the last several weeks, he's been dressing up like William Wallace around the office. I kid you not, there he is. Yeah, he's been carrying the sword. So I said, Trent, let me have the sword, okay? No, seriously, let's, let me have the sword. And uh, if you're wondering what he looks like with hair, that used to be his hairstyle. Um, and so, and that was only like two years ago. So, uh, but just kidding. But anyways, um, the reason the sword is on the stage is that we have been learning through this series that we are in a battle. Okay, each and every day. Now, if you are not a Christ follower, um, you get this. Like, there's that times where you are just saying to yourself, like, it feels like we are in a battle in this world. Or sometimes, like, yes, you know, it feels like there is evil in this world. Or even, yes, I feel like I could use some help in my own personal battle. Now, the cool thing is that God, um, that's no surprise to him. Okay, he has known from the beginning of time that we are in a battle and God has been fighting for us. In fact, he's been doing that so much that he has recorded throughout scripture this battle and he's also been recording how we can take a stand and also fight in this battle. And so this whole series has been based upon uh, a passage from Ephesians and uh, this is kind of our theme passage. And so I wanna read that to you uh, as we kind of head into our conclusion today. So it starts out in Ephesians 6 verse 10. It says, a final word be, and what's that word? Strong. And who? The Lord. And in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be able to stand. Now let's read these words as I get to them. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of and the body armor of God's for the shoes put on the that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on as your helmet and take the sword of the, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Those are amazing gifts that God gives to us. And that's what we've been looking at during this whole series, each of those pieces of armor. And, um, and so here's what we've been learning if you haven't uh, been with us this entire series, so I'll give a recap. And so uh, the second week we started learning about the belt of truth, that truth is a person and his name is Jesus. Jesus came to this earth, he died on the cross, he predicted that that would happen. And then he came back to life from the dead and hundreds of people saw him come back to life from the dead. So we know that he has truth in his possession. And then the body armor of righteousness. 
We've been given right standing with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. When you become a Christ follower, you have a right standing with God. You never have to doubt that standing. Yes, we still do wrong on this earth, but that's a relational issue. That we just say, God, I'm sorry, let's clear that up, but you never lost your standing with him. So we have the confidence that we have a right standing with God. And then the shoes of peace, the good news is great news for everybody. We have a right standing with God. Everyone can have a right standing with God. And then the shield of faith. We can have absolute confidence in the promises of God to defend and protect us. And then the helmet of salvation. We have been assured of heaven, but we have everything we need right now here on earth. And today we're going to unpack the sword of the spirit, which are the promises that God has declared to us in his word. And so today we are going to focus on the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the final piece. And it's unique because it's the only offensive weapon that we have in our possession. All the other pieces are defensive in nature. And this piece is unique because it allows us to attack. It allows us to advance. Now, the reason we have so many defensive uh, pieces is that our enemy is constantly attacking us. And uh, how many of you feel like you're constantly under attack? Yeah, especially if you have kids, right? No, just kidding. All right, I got four of them. But anyways, um, this is what Jesus says of the devil, okay? He says this. This is why we feel like we're under attack. It says uh, in John 8, 44, he, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Satan is a liar, and he loves to shoot these fiery arrows of lies in our direction. And as they are flung at us, if they stick, they enter into our minds. That's the battlefield. They enter into our thoughts. And as they enter into our thoughts, if we hold on to them, they start to grip our souls. They start to embed into our souls. And we start to see these behaviors come out of us because of the lies that have taken root in our lives. And so he loves to throw and plant seeds of addictions and depression and anger and confusion and lust and worry and depression and past mistakes and holding on to those things, anxiety. He loves to spread lies. Now, usually, uh, these lies come in kind of two categories, and you can identify them. One category is that all the lies kind of deal with, he tries to convince you that God's not there, that he's not good, that he doesn't exist, that he doesn't care about us. And so they all have to do with trying to take control because God's not in control. And then on the other side of the lies and the category that he tries to uh, persuade us with are lies that tell us that we are less than what we really are. And often he will say that you're not good enough or you failed or that thing that you did in the past, you know what, you cannot move forward because you did that. You failed. You'll never be and fill in the blank. And so those are the two categories that God often, or I mean the enemy often throws at us. One of those lies. Now, don't answer this out loud, but what doubts, what temptations, what lies come at you? What is it that the enemy tries to do in you? 
Is it about like he doesn't exist? He's not in control. He's not fighting for you. Where's God? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it depression? What are the lies that he's been telling you because he's saying, you know what? This isn't true. God's holding out on you. God's not there. So to just demonstrate this, uh, I think we need kind of like a real vivid picture of this. And so uh, where's Chris Seppi? Because I need that guy. All right, there he is. All right, so give it up for Chris Seppi uh, to come on up here on stage. So uh, he does the announcements and everything. No, you can't have that sword. No, no, not, not yet. No, no, no. But you can stay here, right, right there. So uh, Chris is going to be helping me out. So imagine that Chris does not have the armor of God and the enemy like attacks him with his fiery arrows of uh, lies and everything. And uh, if those arrows stick, what happens in Chris's life? Well, what happens is as these thoughts continue to come at us, these lies and everything, we start to kind of get overwhelmed or a bunch of lifesavers on you. So anyways, um, but anyways, they become overwhelming. The enemy's assault is on us and everything. Now, Chris, uh, turn to the side and kind of put your hands out like this, okay? Now we're gonna use the sword here. Uh, to, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, just teasing. But this is what this does. As those thoughts start to enter into our lives, they start to come in and they start to take root and they start to implant themselves into our souls and we start to believe in them. And as they get a grip on our lives, it starts to become a stronghold that the enemy takes in our lives. And as these thoughts and these lies continue to come into our lives, we get overwhelmed, we get numb on the inside, we feel like we are breaking and everything is falling apart. That's the plan of the enemy. He wants to keep you in bondage just like Chris Hands represents. Tied up, going nowhere, and it's a stronghold. Thanks, Chris. Everybody give it up for Chris right there, so. <clears throat> so let's look at a definition of a stronghold here, okay? And this is a really powerful thing that we need to get into our minds. A stronghold is a negative, destructive pattern of thinking developed uh, in minds through repetition or traumatic experiences or other circumstances. So it can be a number of things that the enemy uses in our lives to hold us down, okay? It keeps us from believing in God. It keeps us from becoming the people that God wants us to be. It also keeps us from being the person that our family needs us to be or the person that our friends need us to be as well. And God doesn't want that for our lives, and that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and fight for us. So today we're going to learn how to fight. Are you ready to learn how to fight? Yeah. Okay, that doesn't sound like it. Are you ready to learn how to fight? Yeah. All right, there we go. So we're also gonna see how Jesus has fought for us and is fighting for us. And we're gonna see how we can begin to bring down this stronghold if we have a stronghold in our lives. And I'm gonna share with you one of the strongholds in my life that God has identified as well and how he's been working on that stronghold as well. So if you would, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter four, verse one in your Bibles. 
Um, it, it, or your smartphone devices. Uh, we're going to camp out there for a little bit. We're going to jump around as well. So, um, and then we'll go back to the Ephesians passage. Um, but if you don't have a Bible, always feel free to get one from the back as our free gift to you. And then you can also download the YouVersion Bible app for free. It has uh, the Bible on it. You can just pull it up on your phone. It has tons of things to help you uh, with understanding the Bible. But go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. All right, so we're about to see Jesus in this epic battle with the devil. And uh, before we get there, let me sort out a few things. So you might be asking, all right, I don't understand what the sword of the spirit is. Well, it's simply uh, the word of God. So God has taken so much time to record what he has done, all of his promises, uh, all his interactions with so many people throughout history uh, into what we have and what we know as the Bible, 66 books of the Bible. And so that is the word of God, and we'll unpack it even more. Uh, but to understand how Paul is using that, um, he started to refer to the sword of the spirit as the word of God. And in his day, he was referring the sword to uh, what the Romans carried around. And so uh, Roman soldiers, they carried around two different types of swords, okay? Uh, they carried around the longer sword, which is called the spatha. Uh, it was a three-foot sword, and then they also carried around a smaller sword called the gladius, okay, which was about a foot and a half, okay? And when Paul is referencing the sword of the spirit, he's referring to the gladius, the smaller one. So sorry, Trent, not Braveheart, okay? Uh, more like Maximus from Gladiator, my kind of movie. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so the sword, um, the reason God chose this or Paul uses this is that it was a very effective sword, okay? It was designed... Uh, to be able to fight someone up close in your face and quickly defeat them um, uh, with that type of sword. It was double-edged. Uh, it had a point on the top. And so as you were fighting, yes, you could parry, but also you could go in for a death blow and often hit your opponent in the chest, in the heart, and take them out fast and move on to the next opponent. And so uh, it's a good thing that Paul uh, and God gives us this type of sword because of who we are up against. And Peter describes who we're up against in 1 Peter 5, 8. Um, here's a description. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So when you fight that, what kind of sword do you want? You want a sword that is designed to be able to fight up front, in your face, and go at it, and go at it quickly. You do not want to mess around with that thing or that lion for a long time. And so that's exactly what God gives us. And so the battle, it's going to be up close. It's going to feel like we're in the fight for our lives. And we get this, okay? We all have felt trapped, haven't we? We've all felt like we are in this addiction that might be plaguing our lives or this uh, confusion or doubt or lust or worry or anxiety or depression or something that's gripping our lives that maybe we did from the past, maybe a toxic relationship. And when you're in that spot, you feel like there's no way out. You feel like you're defeated. 
you feel alone. You feel like there's nothing that can be done. And so I want you to know, if you are in that spot today, Jesus is fighting for you. He has fought for you. He is fighting for you. And today, my prayer for all of us for the last several weeks as I've been preparing for this is, Lord, say what you need us to hear from you. And so my prayer has been for you, that you would hear exactly the words that you need to hear from the Lord. And so let's see how the Lord fights, okay? Let's see how Jesus has fought for us using the sword of the Spirit and uh, on the devil. Uh, So starting in Matthew 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Now guess who brought the fight to Satan? It was God, all right? God did. Jesus was led into the enemy territory. And he's the only one who can take the offensive battle to the enemy, okay? So when our lives are so intertwined and so a part of God, he will lead us into the right battles. Sometimes we think there's all these battles out there. And guess what? We just need to follow Jesus and he will lead us into the right battles. And often those battles are right here within us. And so that's the right battle. The right battle is any stronghold that the enemy has uh, weaved into our thoughts that we have believed and that are now in our minds and our hearts. And the reason the enemy loves to like attack our emotions and our feelings is because uh, all of a sudden when we're attacked there, like our emotions and our feelings, we don't have intellect with them. They just happen, okay? And so all of a sudden something happens, worry, anger or something, you you feel that. And it kind of intensifies what you're perceiving and makes it stronger in that moment. And so when the attacks come on our emotions, they begin to consume us and dominate our thoughts. And we get stuck on those thoughts and they become these strongholds. Now, believe it or not, When I was a child, um, I was a very uh, quiet and shy kid. Can you believe it? I was. Um, And I also had a major speech impediment. And so getting up in front of people was not my thing and has never been my thing, okay? And uh, then the other thing that happened as I entered into a relationship with Jesus was I always had this relationship with God that was like, God, you want me to do what? No, I'm not doing that. And I was very timid. And so he would say, Tim, I want you to do this. And I'm like, no, and come back again. And so eventually he would win. And he would say, Tim, I I want you to do this. And I'd say, all right, Lord, I'll do that. Now, over time, one of those things that I never wanted to become was a pastor that spoke on Sundays. Yeah, I kid you not, all right? It's a real fear. There's a part of me that wants to run off stage every time I get up here, okay? It's a real fear. And um, that fear over time uh, has turned into worry. And that worry has turned into anxiety. And um, if I get real honest, um, the fight that I have to fight uh, or have not fought is my fear. And part of that is when fear comes, I've turned to worry, I've turned to anxiety, but it's turned into a stronghold. And, And when I've kind of, like taking a step back and said, all right, God, what's going on? 
uh, part of it has been what I've done. I've mishandled things. I haven't turned to God for his help. And that's sin. And so part of this process uh, recently that I've been going through has been really unveiling like all the times that I've worried, I've had anxiety, and it was wrong. I believed in the lies from the enemy. I have allowed those thoughts to stick. I have built up emotions and strongholds that shouldn't be there because there's not truth there. And I've allowed uh, for some territory to be taken in my mind. And what I've come to discover is that I've bought into some lies that I'm not good enough. I, I can't do this. And that's not what should be happening. And so recently, God really kind of started saying, Tim, like, I need you to call upon me to help you bring down this stronghold. And when he did that, I was like real fearful. I was like, whoa, because part of my deal was like, I'll just stuff it. I'll just ignore it. I'll just, you know, move on. I'll, you know, get juiced up and do this stronger and better. And he's like, no, I need you to call upon me and I'm going to help you bring this down. And I tell you, it's been so good. And so if you're wrestling with something that's a stronghold, I know, I know that there is a great fear to turn that over to someone else and to let go and let him start to address those things because there are real circumstances. There might even be some traumatic things that happened in your life. And so part of it is just saying, God, I trust you. But we'll unpack more of that. All right, so let's see how Jesus can say that we can call upon him to help bring down these strongholds because he's gonna show us. So starting, uh, continuing verse two, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, Jesus, he's at his weakest point, okay? He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And so by the time this encounters, he is starving. He is hungry. He is super weak. And Satan, he is looking for Jesus's weakest moment. And he looks often for our weakest moment to bring the deception in. And so he tries to tempt Jesus with this legitimate need. Jesus was hungry, yes. And so he says, hey, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, it doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but this is a big deal, okay? Because Jesus, who was God, came down and he came down for us to show us what it's like and to know what it's like to walk as humans. He had surrendered part of his power to the heavenly father and entrusted that with him. And so when the enemy is declaring this uh, at this point, Satan was tempting Jesus to use his own power to satisfy himself. And so who was it that led Jesus into the desert? It was God. God had led him in there to pray, to fast, and would sustain him. And Satan is saying, hey, God's forgotten you. Hey, God's not gonna provide for you. Just provide for yourself. Isn't it interesting some of the same language? Isn't that how we're tempted when we want, should take control if we don't trust God, don't believe that he exists? Like, he doesn't exist. You do it yourself, you know? Now, Jesus, 
What he does next is he draws his sword and he uses it to strike the enemy. So when Paul tells us again in Ephesians to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the Greek word that Paul uses for the word of God is rima, okay? And that word, that usage of the word of God has been used from the beginning of the Bible and it declares God's power. And so when you see God spoke into existence and you read the creation story, it has power in his words. Let there be light and that's rima. And so bringing power, bringing things into creation that he's in control control. His, what he says is going to happen. And so that's the declaration that's happening uh, right here with Jesus. He's about to quote scripture back to Satan. And so he, Jesus tells Satan, no, the scriptures say, and it's the same Greek word, rima, that God declares. This is what he's declared, Satan. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus knew the scripture so well that he knew that the enemy was slightly twisting scripture for his own uses to tempt Jesus. And so basically, again, Satan is saying, you know what? God is not providing you. So why don't you just provide for yourself? He's left you. Like he's not reliable. And so Jesus knew this wasn't true based upon knowing scripture because there's so many patches, passages saying that God will provide. And so he quotes back to them this one passage where God had said to Moses, hey, speak on my behalf to the people and tell them this. So in Deuteronomy 8.3, where Jesus draws upon, it says this, he, God, humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Satan, take that. And he stabs him. Now, you would think like with that type of response, the enemy would back off. But the enemy's a roaring lion. And he's persistent. He comes at Jesus two more times, okay? Now, we get this, you know. Some of us, we feel like we have been in the fight the fight for our lives and we're tired and we're weary and we don't know what to do and we don't know where to turn and it has such a grip on us that it just makes us shake that we lose control because we've bought into these lies for so long and so here's Jesus is starting to show us hey you know what you need to know the word of God in such a personal way. When you spend time with me in the word, I will speak truths and you latch on to those truths and know those truths because most likely the enemy's gonna come again and this time you can use those truths against him. Now watch how Jesus puts kind of like the final smackdown on Satan here, all right? Verse 10, he says, get out of here, Satan. I love that, all right? It reminds me, last season, two of my boys out of the three started playing baseball, uh, 10, eight, and then my six-year-old's been watching, or about to be six, and uh, I was going over baseball. We were learning it and everything, getting them ready, and I said, you know, sometimes the umpire will say, you're out, you know, or go to the showers. You know, I was kidding around with them and everything. So we're watching my oldest son's baseball game, and a kid strikes out, and all of a sudden, Daniel stands up on the bleacher and says, you're out, and I was like, oh, all right, all right, eight. Save that for Satan, all right? Not the player, all right? <clears throat> but anyways, that's what we need to do. Get out of here. Now, why? Listen to what Jesus says. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only 
him. Who's in control? God is. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. What a great example. Jesus overcame Satan with the word of God. So if Jesus relied upon the word of God and the sword of the spirit, how much more should we know the word of God? How much more should we know his promises? How much more should we soak in those truths versus the lies? So now that we've got this in mind, we've got the armor of God, we've got the sword of the spirit and everything, Paul kind of takes this abrupt turn. And it's not so abrupt because it just makes sense. It's like, all right, so how do we use this in everyday life? And I love this because that's what I'm about, okay? And so Paul instructs us that we need to be so intertwined with God, so dependent on him that each and every day he will lead us into the right battles. You remember? It's not our job. We follow, and he will lead us into the right battles. And so going back to Ephesians, this is so important, picking up in verse 18, he says this. What's that word? Say it again. Pray. Pray. That's how we activate the sword of the spirit. Listen to this, okay? So what is prayer? Here's the simplest definition that I could find, okay? Prayer is earthly permission for heavenly interference, all right? Let's say that together because I want you to get this, all right? On the count of three, one, two, three. Prayer is... That's what prayer is. God is in heaven. He's up there and he wants us to call upon him. He has said all these things in scripture, has provided the word for us, and what we have to do to activate all these things is simply call out to him. As fear comes up, we say, God, I need you. As doubt comes up, we say, God, I need you in this moment. And so that's what he's saying. Hey, call upon me with my word. What I've said I will do, come to me and I will intervene, but you've got to call because he's a gentleman. He's never going to demand those things of us, but we have to ask him. He's never gonna force his way into our lives. We have to call out to him. That's a relationship. Now let's continue in verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. So this is so important. What does he mean by pray at all times and on every occasion? It means this, in the context of those moments where the enemy is coming at you like a lion and you've got fear and doubt coming at you and those thoughts, in those times, the enemy is up close in your face, he's ready to fight. You need to draw your sword of the spirit. You need to draw the scriptures that you have at hand and combat him with those lies. Do not dwell on those thoughts. Do not allow those thoughts to enter into your souls and entrench in you to create a stronghold in your life. And so when fear comes, you pray. As soon as you start to sense some fear, you pray. When you doubt, you pray. When you have those moments of anxiety, you can't control those thoughts. That's from the enemy. We're in a broken world. They will come. Jesus says, you will have fear, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so for me, on a real practical basis, okay, when fear comes, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you're calling me to do this. You're calling me into storms. 
But just like Peter, you called him into a storm and you gave him your hand to take. Jesus, I'm taking your hand today. I'm gonna walk into this battle that you're asking me to go into. God, you have made me a masterpiece to do good things with you. God, you have given me everything I need. You have given me new mercies today. There's nothing more that needs to be added to me today. I am not missing anything to be able to speak today. God, you have given me your power through your words. You have given me your thoughts as I've dwelt in scripture and prayed on scripture. God, you are here to do an amazing thing. Father, I will be protected in the fire just like you protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you were with them. God, you say that you will be with me the rest of the days of my life, and you are here now. That's what you gotta do. You gotta fight. You gotta fight, but you gotta draw upon something. You gotta draw upon the truth of what God has done and what he said to you. It's personal. Each of you have a story. Each of you have a stronghold. Each of you are tempted in a certain way. So you've got to find out from the creator of the universe who's waiting, waiting for you to call upon him. And he will answer. He'll answer. And he'll help you in your battle. He's helped me. So let's see how Paul lands this thing, okay? This is so important. I love how he draws this back. So he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in prayers for all believers everywhere. I love this, okay? So it's not just about us. It's about all of us together. We're a family, okay? And so when we see someone struggling, what do we often do? We often... Eh, let's just hurry, kind of get by them real fast. They're struggling. I don't have time. That's one thing. Or, hey, let me try to fix it. Let me try to control them. Let me tell them what to do, right? And Paul's saying right here, hey, you know what? Slow down. Pray. Turn to the Lord. Call upon him. Because remember, just like you are in a spot that you've been in a stronghold or are in a stronghold, they as well are in a battle, in a stronghold. So why don't you start with prayer? So as you talk to that person, you can start talking to God. God, what do you want me to do in their situation? God, would you help them? I'm not gonna pass them by this time. God, I'm gonna stay here. It's only gonna be a few minutes. How can I encourage them? Is that what you want, Lord? You can be praying for them. Pray on a regular basis. That's the right battle to enter into, okay? And so as we do that, if there's a bottom line for today, it's simply this. When you call upon Jesus and use his word, you will have victory in the fight, okay? That's how strongholds are brought down, brick by brick, okay? As you know the words of God, you will see how Jesus has fought for you and is fighting for you. You will begin to see how he wants you to fight and you will be able to take a stand and you will be able to bring down those strongholds with him, one brick at a time. And he wants to do that in your life 
but he also wants to do that in all of our lives. We're in this together. We're praying for each other because all of us have our own battles and everyone else has their battles as well. So this is how we're gonna conclude today, okay? So I want you to get in your minds like, what is it is the stronghold that you're up against or the way that you're tempted, okay? For some of you, it's that I, I don't believe God's there for me. I, I, he's not good. He's failed me. You know, you've bought into those lies. For others of you, you think less of yourself. You think you can't do it. You think you are trapped uh, by what you're experiencing, uh, some of those past wounds and everything. What is it? What is your stronghold that you, excuse me, are facing in this moment? And so in a moment, the next step that we're gonna do here in a moment is we're gonna enter into a time of prayer. And, uh, and then we're gonna close with this final song. And in this time of prayer, I want you to just simply first start with calling out to him. That's what he wants us to do. Call out and he will answer. Now, in our stronghold, sometimes that takes some time as we walk with him, we learn how to bring down those thoughts and they get less and less and less in our lives but we have to begin with calling out to him. Some of you have never done that and you need to call out to him. And then next, from a real practical standpoint, um, on the Spiritual Growth Challenge, I've given you three resources on spiritual warfare, two from Tony Evans and one from Craig Groeschel. Amazing resources. One of those resources from Tony Evans is a book on prayers of looking at scripture, looking at all the situations that we may be encountering and saying, hey, here's scripture particularly for your thing that you're dealing with, whether that's anxiety or depression, know these truths from God about you. And then here's how you can pray when the enemy attacks. It's an amazing book. It's awesome. And so I highly recommend you get that. And then some of you, you need to know what God wants to whisper into your battle. And so some of you are not spending time with him on a daily basis. And so on the Spiritual Growth Challenge on the back, I've given you just a way to spend time about 15 minutes a day with him. And as he whispers to you, you write down those passages. Those are the passages that you memorize. And on there, I've even given you a simple way to memorize scripture, okay? It works. It's one of the best things I've seen, and it's easy. Because wouldn't this be cool? If you had 25 verses that you knew like that, and all of a sudden, the enemy attacks, and you could use those scriptures and soak in those truths, guess what? Your life doesn't look like this. Instead, your life looks like this. Amen. And you are standing firm. And you are ready to take on the enemy. He's ready. He's been persistent. And he will come again. You be ready. That's how much God loves you. That's what he's been doing. He wants you to fight, and he wants to show you how to do that. So we're going to call out, and how we're going to do that, <clears throat> why don't you just go ahead, and let's close in prayer. And so why don't you go ahead and bow your heads. We're going to have this extended time of prayer right here in this moment. The band's going to come on stage, and they're going to start to play the song, but don't just focus on just you and God in this time. And so what I want you to simply do is just think, God, where is it that I've been most tempted? And so just bow your heads, start to ask him, start to call out to him. 
God, what's the stronghold in my life? Is it an addiction? Is it doubt? Confusion? Lust? Worry? Depression? Toxic relationships? Past wounds? What is it? You feel like there's no way out. You feel like you're isolated. You feel like you're alone. That's from the enemy. Jesus is calling you to call out to him in this moment. And so sometimes we have to admit that. We have to say, God, I need help. And so if that's your heart, would you just raise your hand right now? No one looking around. Would you just raise your hand and say, I need help where I'm at? Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. He sees your heart. He knows that. And so if that's you online, you say the same thing. And then let me just guide you through a prayer right now. Say something like this. Say, Lord, I need your help. I don't know how to defeat this. Would you start to help me bring down this stronghold? I give you this stronghold. I give you and name it. God, I've been a part of this problem. I haven't turned to you and your word. So would you forgive me? And would you just start to think of all the ways that you have tried to take control, that you've tried to fix it, that you've tried to stuff it, ignore it, fill it with something else. And would you simply start to say sorry for each one of those and ask God to forgive you? Because he will. For others of you, you are needing to battle for someone else. Maybe you've just been ignoring them and they've got a real big stronghold. And for some reason, they're your friend. They're a family member and you haven't been praying for them. So would you ask the Lord to forgive you for not praying for them? Would you seek his guidance? If you have been praying for that person, would you continue to pray for that person? Would you continue right now? Imagine you going before his throne and saying, Jesus, would you intervene in this person's life? Would you help them? I don't know how it's gonna happen, God, but I trust you. We need you. And then finally, maybe some of you are here and you've been coming and this series has just been making sense, but you would say you're not a Christ follower. But today you see that Christ is fighting for you. The words that you've heard today have just spoken to you and you're ready. You're ready for some help. You're ready for someone to help you in your battle and you're tired of running and you're ready to become a Christ follower. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Would you raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus today in your life? If you're watching online, just type it in. So if that's you, just simply say these words. Cry out to him. Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth to fight. Thank you, Jesus 
for dying on the cross for my sins. Would you forgive me of all my sins? Would you be my Lord and Savior? Thank you for coming back to life from the dead to show us you are truth and that you are salvation. In Jesus' name. Now, as we continue, I'm going to invite the band to come up here and we're going to use this song to continue that prayer, to calling out to Him. So, would you stand with us and use this song as a prayer and sing it back to the Lord? And it's about calling out to Him. And so, would you call out to Jesus through this song?